Biblical Wisdom for Anxiety on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. Today on the podcast, I have with me Pastor Tim Pazma. He's ministered at LaRue Baptist Church in LaRue, Ohio, since the spring of 1985. He's married to Rebecca, and God has blessed them with three sons and three daughters, three daughters-in-law and a son-in-law, also 14 quite active grandchildren. Pastor Tim earned a BA from Cedarville University and an MDiv from Grace Theological Seminary. He serves as an ACBC fellow and is on our board of trustees. He lectures frequently on counseling issues at counseling conferences and for a number of Christian organizations. Uh, Tim, I can't wait to get into this topic. I'm so glad that you're here uh, to help us think biblically through this issue of anxiety. Welcome, brother. Well, thank you. I'm really glad to be here, especially with this topic. This is one that's very close to my heart. Honestly, it did, you know, before we jumped on and started recording, it, it did lighten the mood a little bit when we were talking about wrestling and, enjoy, you know, some of the things that you've been enjoying here recently, following a high school team around where your son is the coach and just a lot of fun stuff. So I, I appreciated you sharing a little bit about that and, and your uh, your joys to follow around the guys as they wrestle. It's quite yeah. fun. Well, let's talk about this issue of anxiety, because I think there is some confusion on this particular topic as we think about worry and anxiety. And, and, you know, frequently, Tim, we have questions that come in as we ask, you know, what are topics that you guys want to hear about on the podcast? And, and this consistently remains at the top of of, uh, of the requests that we get. So we need to do some work here in, in talking about anxiety. So when does righteous concern turn into sinful worry or anxiety? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the Bible's word for what we would say concern and anxiety are the same, just like the word for trial and temptation are the same. And the context is going to help us understand what's involved here. I mean, we have to understand that the same word may be used, but there may be in the semantic range, there's where it's wrong and where it's right. And how do I, how do you distinguish it? Well, one way is your thoughts become unproductive. You are just thinking all the time and you're not doing it. I remember uh, Jay Adams saying that worry is like sitting in a rocking chair and rocking all day long. You work real hard, but you don't get anywhere and you're exhausted by the end of the day. Uh, your thoughts become unproductive. It controls you rather than you controlling it. You're, you can't sleep at night. You wake up in the middle of the night and that's the first thing on your mind. It controls you. It causes, it causes you to neglect other relationships, right? You are so consumed, you don't do the things you're supposed to do for that day because you're utterly consumed. And listen, these things that I'm telling you, I know because I'm a veteran of the worry wars, right? My first year of ministry was absolutely horrific. I was I was anxious like crazy, and all these things were true. I I'm, I lose hope rather than finding answers. I'm I'm focused on the future and changing the future, something I can't control. And so all of these things will tell me, and even my body told me. I remember I had a counseling case; it was really on my mind. Uh, I went to the doctor. I was feeling pains. He checked me out, and and he said, "You got a spastic colon," or I think that's what it was. And right away, I knew why I had it. Right. So those are. Those are ideas to tell you this is when it becomes worry. It's sin when these things are happening. Concern, those things aren't happening. I can say, I'm concerned about that. Let me see. I'll jot down some ideas how to deal with that, and I'll be praying about it. But then I go on to do my other things. 
All right. Uh, I'm not consumed by it. Yeah, I think that's a helpful distinction. And one of the ways that we can learn to diagnose ourselves based on the outline of the Scripture and the way the Scripture uses these types of terms, that it's good to be in a righteous way concerned about others and for their well-being and that sort of thing versus, you know, when we have sinful fear, sinful worry, and it consumes our life. Uh, I think all of us, as you're describing the rocking chair example, I don't think, Tim, we have to think too hard to imagine what that's like because it's so real to us and so common to our daily life. And as we talk about the issue of anxiety or, or any type of fruit that comes from us, we talk a lot in counseling about desires, and we talk about this issue of idols of the heart. God says that sin starts in our heart. James sort of describes it in James 1 as a desire or as a passion that's going on in our heart. So what possible desire or passion produces this sinful worry, sinful anxiety? Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. In my counseling, when I'm trying to understand desires, I'm always asking myself, what's the payoff? Desire always promises something. So what's the payoff? It's promising me something. And so as I learned about anxiety and and the biblical approach to it and what God says about it and so forth, I started asking myself, what's the desire behind your worry? What what used to be behind your worry? I, I don't struggle with it like I used to. And so I say, what was the desire behind that? And, and here's what I came up with. Two things. They're related. One is peace. I love peace. Leave me alone in my office and let me read, okay? I just want a nice, easy life. And I'm sitting on my nice, smooth pond, and someone's walking toward my pond with a rock in his hand. And I'm thinking, oh, no, he's going to spoil everything. And I start scheming about it because I just don't like conflict. I want peace, right? So that's one idle, one desire. The other was this. My worry would tend to be around meetings with people. Okay. And and the worriers out there, you all know what I'm going to say. He'll say this and I'll say that. He'll say this and I'll respond with that. He'll do this and I'll do this. He'll do and and I'm telling you, it was you just get consumed with that. And I thought, why do I do that? Here's why I do that. I'm trying to control something. If I can be absolutely prepared for this confrontation, right? I'll have control of it. Well, what I'm trying to do is control something I don't have any control of. I can't control that now, right? And you know, and worriers out there, you know what I'm saying? You'll think of 125 things that can happen and be ready for it, and number 127 will happen, right? That you don't know anything about. And and so it was a it was a desire. The payoff to worry is you'll have control of that situation. But like Ephesians 4:22 says, put off the old man which is corrupted by its deceitful desires. Desires can never deliver on their promise. And they actually, they do just the opposite. So now other people may have different desires behind it, but there is a desire behind worry. No, I think that's so well stated. I I use a term, the journey of the what ifs, where we're trying to answer all of these questions about what what if this happens and what if this happens and what if that happens. And uh, we emotionally go on this roller coaster of all those potential realities and we find ourselves overwhelmed and consumed by those things. And even as you mentioned, the comical thing about it for all of us is that typically what happens in reality is one that we haven't even considered yet. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> we, we, we see the foolishness in us pursuing those things. And in those desires, as you, as you mentioned, where the promises of those desires don't come true, it, it's an unworthy thing for us to lean on, for us to trust in. And so 
it's one thing, right? It's a, what you've done already is to help us to understand how the Bible diagnoses these things, how the Bible distinguishes these things, something from being a healthy, God-given response to an unhealthy, sinful response. And, and the Bible can help us in dynamic to understand and diagnose this, this sin that comes from our heart, these particular desires. And so it's one thing for the Bible to be able to do that. It's another thing altogether for us to understand God's remedy or God's answers to worry. So Tim, talk a little bit about God's answers to this sinful worry. We have to go after that, the desire, right? We have to go after that person's desire. That's very important to do that. What is What kind of payoff are you expecting from this worry? And help them to understand that desire and to crucify that desire. Of course, on top of the list is repentance, right? I got to repent for my sin of worry because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm essentially saying, God, you're not sovereign, right? And you're always working for my good. So even if that meeting out in the future that I'm worried about turns south in a major way, you're going to do something good with it. So I got to deal with, I got to have repentance. I got to deal with heart issues. I got to remind myself of God's provision. Jesus does this in the classic passage. One of the classic passages on worry in Matthew 6, Jesus says, God is going to provide for you, right? If in, in chapter 10, Matthew 10, he says, uh, you know, God, God, is looking after the sparrow. Don't you think you look after you? We got to redirect our energies. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God. So instead of worrying about tomorrow, God has given me enough on my plate for today to serve him. And I need to go after those things. I can't sit in my office all day just worrying. Because what happens is now I'm behind another day. I got more to worry about or, or seemingly. So I have to throw myself into energies of today. Matthew 6, 33 and 34, right? Today has enough problems. Or tomorrow has, or you got enough today to do, so do it. I should plan for tomorrow, right? I can plan, but I ought to trust God to direct, as it says in James 4. One of the things I think we need to do is to recall God's faithfulness to us. We have a whole history of God being faithful. So when I'm tempted to worry about a situation that's coming up, I look back and I say, you remember that situation and that one and that one and how you thought it was all going to go and how God work something through that horrible situation that you were worried about. In fact, it was worse than you thought it was going to be. But now from this side, look what God did. So you recall the faith, the history of God's faithfulness to you. And then I have what I call the dragon slayer, which is Philippians 4, 6 through 9, which I summarize as pray right, think right, do right. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got to pray. And it's interesting in, in Philippians 4, 6, he says, make your requests known to God right? And pray with thanksgiving. Worriers are not thankful because what they want is a different reality than the one God gave them. So they tend to be ungrateful people. And so God says, pray with thanksgiving. So when I was worried, I would get alone and I would say, okay, Lord, you know, this is happening. You know, this is coming. I'm praying for that, my request. And I say, and I can thank you now because I know on the other side, you're going to make me a better pastor or a better husband or a better father. You're going to do something through that. All right. And then I need to think right. I've got other things to think about. Philippians 4, I think about what meets this criteria and don't think about that. Consciously switch your thinking and then do right. Get busy with what you got today. Philippians 4, 9. That was very, very, very helpful to me in those days when I was consumed with worry. Amen. And, and it, it closes by just saying that um, the peace of God. Yes. And if we pause there, we're not talking about a feeling. We're talking about a person. The peace of God is Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, 
He himself, Paul says, is our peace. And it's the peace of Christ which will guard our heart and mind. It's him, knowing his word, knowing his promises are true, which are quite the opposite of all the desires that we've been pursuing. Uh, you can just see such a huge contrast. And, and it is a call of of faith to believe in the in the promises of what God has given and that those things will adequately hold our heart stable. Now, as we talk about anxiety, you know, some people have in their minds maybe different degrees, different levels. We've talked up to this point about biblically distinguishing between that which is concerning to us in a in a in a helpful, godly, God-honoring way versus sinful worry, sinful fear, sinful anxiety. Uh, a lot of people will also talk about issues of, of panic attacks. And, and, you know, people sort of get quizzical. Well, how does a biblical counselor handle things like panic attacks? So I'm going to put that to you, Tim. How does a biblical counselor handle anxiety attacks or panic attacks? What we have to understand is no matter how extreme, it doesn't change our basic approach. All right. You're, you're doing normal counseling in extraordinary circumstances. It doesn't change the normal way you do counseling. But you do have to remember something, that there's a physical effect of habitual sin, okay? I love Romans 6.19, where he talks about the more you give yourself over to sin. He's talking about unbelievers there. But he says, the more you give yourself over to sin, it leads to ever-increasing wickedness. And he talks about the members of your body. And so I would say there can be a physical effect of habitual sin, okay? And so... Let me illustrate it. So I'm, I'm counseling with a woman who is really struggling with anxiety. And when she it gets to this extreme, she has what she calls an out-of-body experience, right? Where that comes with this extraordinary worry. Um, so it's a form of a panic attack, if you will. And, and so I said to her, here's what you need to understand. You need to do God's will. Uh, you need to determine that God's will and not your body is going to determine what you do. Your body is doing all these things. Okay, fine. But don't let your body be your boss. As one young uh, a 10-year-old counselee once said to me, I decided I wasn't going to let my body be my boss. Hmm. And I said, don't let your body be your boss. Do what God tells you to do. Okay, now, what do you have to do? And I said, when this happens, you call me. She calls me. I said, what are you going to do? I'm supposed to be feeding the kids. Feed the kids no matter what, no matter what your body is telling you to do. What's next? I got to give them a bath. Give them a bath, no matter what your body's telling you to do. And put them to bed. Read them a story. Do all those things. Just do not do what your body's telling you to do. Just keep doing what God tells you to do. And after a while, that comes, those physical things start going away, right? So someone who's, when someone comes in and tells me I had a pen attack, I'm sitting, I'm at the grocery store and I'm looking at Wheaties and all of a sudden I get this feeling, right? Right away, I'm thinking, They've had, they're habitually worrying about things and maybe at, at, at a low level, but eventually it shows up. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. And I think this has, we can go down this road a little bit, but I think this has something to say about how the mind and the body are, are woven together. That's what yep. it means for us to be human. And I would say that when, as you described in habitual sin, we will see this reflected in, in our body. Our bodies are intended to respond to what we believe to be reality. And when patterned over time, we're going, yes. we're going to have physiological responses. And I think that's a part of what Paul is talking about when he says we're presenting our members once again, this idea that, that our bodies 
do come under bondage in some way. And that's why it feels like in the moment we can't help it or I can't help it. I can't control this. Well, I would say, yeah, you, you can't control it in that moment, but it doesn't mean that you're not morally culpable or we shouldn't address this in an appropriate way. So I, I like the way that you're, you're walking that out. Obviously, we could talk about this for quite some time, but very helpful thoughts, Tim, I think, on helping us to distinguish some of these differences, helping us to, to think even further about the more severe expressions of, of something like a panic attack. Uh, so thank you, brother, for joining us today. I really appreciate it and uh, helpful for your, your biblical thoughts here and biblical wisdom. Thank you, Dale. It's great being here. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. I, I want to let you guys in on a little bit of a secret. And we finalized, even this past week, the location for our 2024 conference. I wish I could give you the details. I can only release that at our 2023 annual conference in Santa Clarita, California at Grace Baptist Church, October 2nd through the 4th. We want you to be there with us. I, I need to remind you that seating is limited, and so make sure that you are finding your registration. If you've been meaning to do that, please go ahead and do that. I also want to go ahead and mention to you as seating continues to fill up and we will reach capacity this year. So I want to encourage you in that way is we also have a virtual option and this could be done through church groups doing what we call group watch. Uh, you have 10 or more people at a particular location doing a watch party or you can also do that as an individual. And so you can find out about our conference coming up October 2nd through the 4th, Living in Active Biblical Counseling and the Sufficiency of Scripture. Very important topic we're covering this year. We have to hold fast to this doctrine in every single generation. And we're going to do that this year. We want you to be there with us, whether that be in person or virtual. So go check out event registration. Be with us at our annual conference in person or online at biblicalcounseling.com. 